Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. We have a request to make of you because we give you all this stuff for free, so we need something back in return. Now, what do we want? We want reviews. <laughs> Fabulous ones, please. And, if you're being mean, none. And when do we want them? Now! <laughs> yes, we do. Emma, what is your demand of our listeners? We want subscribers. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your boyfriend, tell your, I don't know, your, I don't know, everybody. Your dog. Tell your dog. Tell your dog. Your yes. dog's going to love it. Yes, yeah. everybody. Subscribe. Subscribe, review, tell your friends, and make sure you show us the love. Come follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the details in our bio, or use the hashtag BAWH. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all-new Saturday Night Super Squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three! Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass. I'm Harriet Minter here on Talk Radio with my fabulous co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And today we are going to start a conversation talking about the gender pay gap. Please do not tweet me and tell me it doesn't exist. That really angers me. It does. But there is some good news, ladies. Good news on the gender pay gap angle. And it appears that for young millennials, the pay gap is closing. So it's now evening out a bit. Um, But the reality is it's not closing because women are being paid more, obviously. It is, in fact, closing because young men are finding themselves doing the jobs that were traditionally reserved for women. So lots more men in retail, lots more men in the hospitality industry. And what we know is that those jobs generally pay less. So do we think this closing the gender pay gap, is it a good thing, Emma? Or are we just bringing the men down to a level the women are trying to crawl their way out of? Well, I... I feel like there's lots of different dimensions to this uh, story because that generation coming through are working in a completely different way. So there's this all like, oh, yes, the gender pay gap is closing. And I'm like, I, is it or is it just that people are working differently? Millennials certainly have a different work ethic. Everyone moans about the millennials, but I'm like, actually, the millennials are just asking for what 
basic human beings want, which is a workplace where they can have some autonomy and they can have an impact and they can do work that they really thrive and they enjoy. And I think a lot of them are just doing different styles of working. Some of them working part time. A lot of them are entrepreneurs because there were an awful lot of like government grants that came out for people who didn't go to uni. They had this alternative where they had 15 grand and they went out and set up um, businesses. So... Mm. Do you know, I think now you've worked in the retail sector, you know what it's like. Is it a good thing that more men are taking on that role? I agree with Emma. I, when I saw the report, which was released by the Resolution Foundation, I thought it was skewed to suggest that actually, you know, we have all of these men that are, are sitting there thinking, I should be paid more, but this is the only job that's available for me. And, I, you know, in this millennial generation, the guys that I'm meeting, I, I say guys, and I, I mean men and women, they want to work differently and they enjoy retail. If they're creative and they're starting a, a fashion-based business, they're, they're taking that Saturday retail job to supplement their income and vice versa. So I know lots of people that are now into hospitality. They want to be um, you know, professional baristas. They want to be mixologists. They want a different way of thinking. Do I'm not even dramatizing it. I, you know, I've met, I seriously, I have met, I've met much... I get much more what I'm going to say enlightened millennials that just aspire to something different. They don't aspire to the same milk round that we maybe did coming out of university or or coming up in our our careers where it was all about having a specific job. But are you telling me there are actually people out there who aspire to be professional baristas, who aspire to make pretty shapes and milk on coffee? No, but I think that isn't their full-time role. I think they're doing lots of different things. And one part of that thing is I'm going to go and do this and also retail work hospitality work that's work that you can do you know you can have these like you're not committed to any time you can do a few hours this week none the following week i i was i was talking to someone about this the other day and there was a barista that traveled around europe with his little you know his um coffee machine on the back of his motorcycle selling artisan luxury coffee what's wrong with that yeah, he's doing the thing that move. he loves there's a there's a private members club that actually has a guy who is head of coffee who travels around the world to all the members clubs making sure the coffee is so that is a but legit career move it is a legit career move Emma but it's a very different career move than 99% of professional baristas um, sorry professional baristas we're picking you <laughs> as an example um, because actually what, what you also don't realise when we look at these stats is that a lot of these kids are not earning that much money so the average kind of gig economy employee or gig economy worker is really bringing in about 240 quid a week which yeah, is not okay. a lot if you're doing what you love you don't need to earn as much 240 quid a week in london you if i was doing something i'd love yeah you'd have to really love it Ems, you'd be <laughs> not with my mortgage ah <laughs> uh, there speaks the non-millennial who got her mortgage back in the day and ruined it for everyone else people <laughs> Um, So our second story of this week is about when love goes wrong. Nat, tell us about it. Yeah, so this one, uh, uh, some people will have seen it on the front cover of the Evening Standard. I picked it up online and it's the case of Mr. and Mrs. Mills. So in 2002, Mr. and Mrs. Mills divorced. There was a settlement. Uh, Mrs. Mills was given £230,000. She was awarded £1,100 per month to look after what was then their young son fast forward 15 years later she has gone back to the court saying um i've run out of the 230k because i made some bad property decisions Uh, i recognize our son is now 23 uh, but i don't have any money and i work two days part-time so you need to up your payments the judge awarded um 
uh, a, a look at the figures and the monthly payment has gone up to £1,441. So from a, a, a legal, you know, if you marry someone, you know what you're going into perspective, I get it. But I was thinking about my brothers and I've said this to my younger brother, I do not want you to be with a woman that puts their whole life and future on you. I want you to I want you to always feel like if you wanted to do something different or take a break from life, you could be with a woman that enables you to do that. So I got really frustrated reading this. I was like, what would if that was my brother, I would be at that woman's front door like, come, it, we're, we're about to it's about to go down. Somebody sent me a great card the other day, which said um, I could have been on my second lucrative divorce by now. But no, I had to be a strong, independent woman. I yeah, I really agree. I really disagree with you on this, Nat, because having also dated guys that have ex-wives, I think if you have a child with somebody, you have a duty of care to that 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 woman or that that part parent because their well-being affects your child but so for I, how long but but also did she you know if you look at her age as well she would have put her entire career on hold probably to look after this child and help him forge his career are you saying that okay because she did that she's still got to be independent and and like be able to pay her own bills if she hadn't have had a settlement of 230,000 upfront of which she then spent on three properties i may have been in a different position but you have had a settlement your child is now 23 they are a grown adult that can choose to be a barista or whatever the hell they want to be but pay their own way and you have now got a settlement that's larger to look after fundamentally just yourself and now he has got a new wife and they have a 10 year old son so i put myself in the position of that of that wife if i was sitting there thinking my husband is paying for this woman and, pos- and potentially this 23-year-old son, and my 10-year-old son is now going without, I am not cool but, with that. But that bothered me as well, the whole, like, my new child and my new wife. But like, it happens. Yeah, but it's not new. You've still got a family and you've still got a son. That's grown, flown the nest. He's 23. <laughs> okay, so let's take a pause for a minute. So, Emma, put yourself in this guy's position. If you had married someone, if you'd had a child with them... And they now wanted money from you. If we reversed it, if it was a man wanting money from a woman, would you be paying it? I, I, it depends on the circumstance, but I would definitely say that the mother of my partner's children, her well-being was um, should be considered, definitely. But would you want to pay out your hard-earned money to somebody that you'd been married to, you'd been paying for a while for them, and they're now living on your cash? Well, I'd love to know the circumstances because I did read in there that she was unwell and can't actually work. No, so- she works two days a week as a beautician. So, she, so she's got two days a week. Her son is 23, so she's not at home making dinner. What's she doing with the other three days? It is different, though. It is different. You never know where people's mental and physical health is. Some people can work two days. Some people can work Because you can't allow somebody who is the the mother of your child to become living in poverty, perhaps even become homeless, and just sit back and watch and go, I'm not going to pay and support her. I agree with you that the child is a man. A man. 23 The child is still your child and needs parents and needs parents that are well. Okay, so, right. Your parents split up tomorrow. Your your mum could say, right, well, I've got Emma... And, and sorry, your sister's name, Amy. Amy. I've got an Emma and Amy, so you need to pay for me and you need to pay for Emma and Amy. But actually, I'll tell you what's really interesting about that is we are moving into a time now in our lives, ladies, given our ages, where we become the parents of our parents. Mm-hmm. So actually, where we start having to look after our parents. And I can say if I was 23 and I was suddenly thinking about my mother being potentially homeless, not having enough money to look after herself, like 
that is That's not stressful. a great place to be at no. 23. You actually need that time to really establish yourself, to build yourself up and to be able to kind of financially support them. But we're not saying these guys have just got divorced and he has kicked her out on the street and set up home with his new family. It was 15 years ago. But I think the and point is, her but, a it's lump not, sum. but it's not 15 years ago. He had a child with this person. That child is still in his life. He can talk about a new wife, a new child. It's not new. This is part of his history. You can't just go, oh, I've done that. I'm not, I'm not dealing with that anymore. But he's not. I, 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 he is saying that the payments should not be increased based on the bad decisions that this woman, who's no longer in his life, made. And also from a relationship perspective, if something goes wrong, wrong in a relationship, being financially tied to someone for the rest of your life, that is not cool. So, and that is what happens, people, when you have sex with other people and make a baby. You are tied <laughs> to them for life. Think about it. Think, Think about, about it. it. Um, and so if you don't want that responsibility, if maybe you're not ready for it, we need to all be taking better precautions, listening in sex ed, buying those condoms, and maybe doing what's happening in our next story. If you're a man who doesn't want to be responsible for a child, Emma, what should they be doing? Well, I think you can get quite excited about this, guys, and we know guys are listening. 14% of our listeners <laughs> are men, so we know you're listening. Um, so there's this new thing that's come out. It's kind of like this gel that's not permanent that you can put into the, the tubes. What's the technical term? I have no idea. Tubes, yeah, the totally, tubes. totally fine. Well, in the tubes, and then basically it just stops the, the sperm coming out. And <laughs> I don't know Do why. Do No, but it doesn't. I looked into it. It doesn't, it, it does something else. Well, it just means the sperms just don't escape yeah which is fine yeah but that's really great there's no side effects and they can reverse it whenever they like i think this is revolutionary because as a woman on my not on my tinder profile i'm not on tinder but my dream man has a vasectomy because (laughs) i am done with contraception (laughs) and i've looked into sterilization and it's really it's a big deal for women to be sterilized so i am really excited about this breakthrough please put that on your tinder profile (laughs) wanted (laughs) tall charming funny own job with a vasectomy vasectomy. i'm not even joking you think i'm I'm not joking that is my dream man (laughs) so we're going to be discussing this further in the next section and we are actually going to be bringing in sexpert sex goddess the woman who knows it who will actually know whether or not they are tubes or if we've just made that up (laughs) alex fox to come in and talk to us so we'll be back after this break talking about what is the best contraception out there at the moment what should you be using we'll also be talking about synesthesia have you heard about this have you experienced it apparently some of us are having better orgasms than others full multicolored technicolor orgasms yes and we'll also be discussing that age-old question does size matter across the uk online and on dab <laughs> badass women's hour with harriet mincer natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking welcome back to the badass women's hour three women one hour all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass I'm Harriet Minter here on Talk Radio with my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And we are joined for this next second section by the lovely Alex Fox, journalist, broadcaster and sex educator. Welcome, Alex. Hello, superhumans. How are you all doing? <laughs> Good. We're very excited that you joined us. Me particularly because you might have to referee a few debates. It's very heated <laughs> here today. Um, so before you join 
remind us, we were talking about the new reversible vasectomy for men. Basal gel, right? Oh, yeah. Look at this. She's got Straight all the technical the terms. She did her research. <laughs> I, I can tell you that the correct name for the tubes you were referring to are the vas deferens. The yeah. vas, vas deferens. <laughs> yeah. I like how we're all repeating it back. <laughs> On a date night, I'll be like, like so, how, are oh, how are your vas deferens? <laughs> yeah. have, they had, have they been snipped? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Emma's Tinder profile tomorrow is just filled. Yes, snipped or filled. <laughs> it is a really interesting development, though, isn't it? As far as Love I'm aware, it. it's only been tested on primates so far. It hasn't yep. been tested on actual human beings. Oh, um, and I, I think it lasts around re- well two years. Yeah, is it two years? Two years. I, th- I thought they, they tested it for Matt one year. Matt has investigated this. So, what it, in monkeys? Uh, the monkeys went back into the pen, and over a period of two years, this is what they think. Right. They didn't see any pregnancy. So, I'm like, okay, that is a good amount of time to be able to make some plans, which is why I was looking into it. Because the, there's a female injection that you can get; and it only lasts three months. I was doing the comparison. It's hormonal as well. And it's hormonal. This isn't, it's it's a it's a it's a physical barrier yes. that stops um, sperm from entering. No side effects for the man. Semen, semen this fluid. is what people spend their time focusing on. No side effects for men. Let's make it perfect for men. Forget the women. And this is my frustration, but I'm going to keep it to myself because well, I'm, I'm in that place today. Well, there have been side effects obviously. in the monkeys. One of the monkeys got the gel accidentally injected into the wrong part of its testicles no. and ended up with a little lump. Yeah, so it can it can have physical side effects. But what you're saying is, as opposed to hormonal contraception, which can uh, send women honey nut loopy um, and make them emotional and, and uh, potentially has a link to depression, which is currently being mm-hmm. uh, explored at the moment, um, this is a bar- essentially an internal barrier form of contraception so as as you state it's unlikely to have an effect on men's moods yeah i mean i feel like we should probably do the pr for this now we should just not mention anything going wrong because i think it's going to be hard enough to convince men that having something <laughs> injected into their testicles is a good idea in the first place they can, they can then have a second injection to um to obliterate it Okay. Obliterate. Uh, yeah, also, I wouldn't a use great, that. Yeah, a great word to dissolve. use. In, yeah. Dissolve. Yeah. Uh, I think would you like better. me to give you an injection that will obliterate what's inside of your testes? So, there's Alex- definitely some very submissive men out there right now who are rubbing their knees in anticipation. <laughs> Alex, that makes a really interesting point, though, which is when we talk about contraception, we always talk about it as a female issue. It's something that women are supposed to take care of. We're supposed to look after it. And then when we finally do take it from a male perspective, we're like, look how perfect we can make it for men. Is this a sign? Is this a revolution now? Are women going to be downing tools or downing the pill not downing the pill putting the pill down and stepping away from it and, and leaving, leaving it, it up to the to people men. with the tools yeah um <laughs> That's good. it's it's historically complicated um certainly i do think that there has been an impetus over time on women to take care of the contraception as you put it because there's this idea that they're the ones that carry the babies, so they're the ones that should carry the responsibility. And also, we're only fertile for a few days a month, where men are fertile all the time. Yeah, that is actually something that some scientists have said. uh, The reasons why it's been more difficult to develop uh, uh, an internal or a hormonal form of contraception for men is that they make semen, they make sperm every day, whereas women work on more of a cycle. Um, However, we we can send men to the moon Surely we can do something that doesn't affect the people with the poons. Right? And I, I'm in the place of, you know, these the men that are saying this are saying it for their homies. You know, it's men saying, what can we do for men? 
I am, let's get some more female scientists up in here figuring things out because there's another app that has been developed for women, developed by a woman. Yeah, and there is. And I want to talk about this because I didn't know that I was really only fertile for about three to four days a month. And so I actually only realised this when I downloaded my first ever period tracker app, which I'm now obsessed with, about three or four years ago, and realised there was a fertile period. Why are we not teaching young girls better sex ed? And also young boys. Why okay, does you know this? Straight off the bat, I can answer that. For a start, because we have about 5.7 nanoseconds in the schools that actually teach sex ed to get that message across. And so a lot of emphasis is placed on wrap it up before you slap it up because we're trying to protect young people against STIs as well. Is that the slogan? Maybe wrap not the official one. Oh, okay. I, was just <laughs> I teach checking. young men in Hackney. That one goes down a storm. Okay. We also talk about going down. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, a lot of the emphasis on sex ed in schools is about uh, condoms and... Um, and the more traditional types of uh, contraception, if you will, um, because th- those are fairly reliable. Um, old school methods of monitoring your fertility in the past have actually been quite con- uh, quite complicated. You have to take your temperature. You have to be aware of the changes in your cervical mucus, which are delightful. I mean, I, I'm, I'm cool with phrase. that. Yeah. Well, it's it's my body. I'm fine with it. But lots of people find that a bit squicky. Um, and you, you, you do have to be really, really self-aware. So the reason that it's not taught in schools is because, A, it doesn't, that, that kind of uh, method doesn't protect you against SDIs and also you have to be really on the ball uh, in order for it to work but apps like this are making it yeah yeah the get off maybe. the ball <laughs> yeah um so the other thing I wanted to talk about which we're going to talk about with you Alex which I had not heard of before you came on the show synesthesia well synesthesia isn't just about sex um it's a condition where if a person receives one stimulus for example if they see something they get a visual stimulus if they feel a particular emotion or if they read a word it provokes in them uh, an additional um it's it's called a sensory impression or like a, a phantom sensation if you will the way it works in me is uh, if I am in a particular location or feel a a particular emotion, like if I'm happy or if I'm stressed, I smell something that isn't there. So mine's olfactory. Uh, For other people, um, if they are reading the word Thursday, for example, they might um, get the sensation that they're holding something rubbery or they might... Uh, get a vision of yellow so it's 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 a it's kind of a it's a cross wiring of the senses i have a form of epilepsy and it may be linked to that mm. a lot of autistic people report having synesthesia but it does affect people in the sack as well when i have orgasms I often smell things that, that I know are not there. Uh, the I best have to one ask, I've ever had. What are you smelling? <laughs> it was <laughs> concerningly of all of the things. The best one I ever had was like sticking my head directly in a bag of Haribo Kiddies Supermix. Um, kiddie, kiddies not really being something I wanted to associate <laughs> with my getting jiggy. flavoured lube you using at the time, no? No, although I've just discovered one that tastes exactly like Calpol, which is really? weird. Yeah, It's okay. a lube that's supposed to taste of red licorice, but it tastes like um, children's medicine. So Alex, can I ask, at what point do you make the association? Because I'm guessing it's not while you're having the orgasm. It's afterwards you're like, oh... Or, or, or am I wrong? In in that moment, do you know it's? Do you have a consciousness of that is Kitty's Haribo? Like it's when- overwhelming. The smell wow. for me okay. is very very strong. I can't ignore it. Um, to give you some other examples of when it happens to me, um, 
often if I see um, a friend who I adore, it, I'll get a very strong smell of either warm Danish pastries, like cinnamon and, <laughs> and uh, icing and Ooh, things. Oh, lovely. Or something lemony, often lemony. Wow. Um, and location-wise, the minute I step into King's Cross Station in London... I am absolutely flooded with the smell of hot telegraph poles and that creosote smell on a warm summer's day. So it's very, very it, strange. Do you get it in reverse? So if you walk past a Krispy Kreme, are you then just really turned on? <laughs> it can be really confusing. Sometimes I have to ask if smells are there or not. Um, and also it can um, it can make me feel like I know people better than I do. Like if someone's wearing a lemony scent, I'm more inclined to like them. Um, or there have definitely been moments where, yeah, where there's, there's been an odour in the air and I'm like, <sighs> is it enhancing your experience? Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it's har- is it enhancing the orgasm? Or is it just For me, making the 80, orgasm a bit weird? 80% of the time it's really, really pleasant. That other fifth of the time, it's quite unnerving. Because, like I say, it can be a very powerful smell. For other people, they get visions. I spoke to one woman who sees cascades of turquoise blocks every time she comes. And she describes her orgasms as either being squishy and burgundy, um, if they're clitoral, or if she has more of an, uh, a vaginal orgasm, then she sees these these kind of graphic block shapes. I have just got to pay more attention, I think. I am not paying enough attention. more notice. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So it doesn't happen to everybody, sadly. Oh. Or it's not reported to. And the, we were going to ask you about one other thing, Alex, because you have been reading a book that I think is potentially going to change the lives of men everywhere and maybe release them from a certain shame and pressure they've been feeling. Can you tell us about it? Yes, um... I do a, a series of podcasts for The Guardian called Close Encounters where I interview people about their, their sex lives and relationships and often they have something that's quite unique about them. So I chatted to one woman who was born with two vaginas, for example. Wow. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I chatted to a guy who's asexual. And then another of my interviewees, Ant Smith, uh, is a poet and an activist who happens to have uh, a smaller than average penis. 
And he says it's really not fair that so many men get the pee taken out of them for their penis. And he's written now an e-book called The Small Penis Bible, which is a guide for owners of more modest phalluses on how to love their bodies, how to use them to please their partners, and how to give fewer craps about what's in their pants. And what I really love about that is the emphasis is on actually how to love your body. Yeah. Because I don't know, Nat, do you agree that I think like we can be really? I have a very funny small penis story, but I'm not going to share it because I feel like I'm being mean. And do you think that we are like? Do women just go there as an instant? In much in the way that men go there with your fat to women, do women use that? Mm, clearly, got a small penis to men. Yeah, as a so. as either a put down or um, a topic of conversation. I have definitely been with girlfriends, and it's a it's a question, you know. So you might talk about size or, or girth or whatever it is um and now i'm thinking about it you know maybe it is wrong but i, I want to know what is average uh it depends on what study you look at um because if i was i if I, I had an instant thought which was five and a half inches and i just don't know where that's <laughs> come yeah, from where, where, i mean how how do you actually know what average is there's obviously different studies come up with different uh, different statistics and it is it does correlate differently according to um, somebody's heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, but on average, I think this is worldwide, um, an adult male penis is seven centimetres long uh, when flaccid and then uh, 12.5 centimetres long when erect. That's like uh, five and a half inches, isn't it? Six inches? Five inches when erect. Yes, yeah. look at that. I know my sex facts. So <laughs> we'll be coming back after the break and the fabulous Alex Fox, journalist and broadcaster and sex educator, will be staying with us for our next section, our badass balls ups, when we used our combined wisdom, all our nearly 100 years of experience, mistakes, things we wish we had not done, to help you not make the same mistakes. So I will be back on Talk Radio with Emma Sexton, Natalie Campbell and myself, Harry Minter discussing what you should and shouldn't do particularly when it comes to how to give yourself more confidence and should you share your money with your partner across the UK online and on DAB <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio she'll get you talking Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass. I'm Harriet Minter with my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton and we are talking about our badass balls ups. The things we've done that we wish we hadn't and how we can use our experiences to solve your problems. And if you have a problem you want us to solve or you just have an idea or an opinion on the problems we have today, do make sure you tell us about it on social media. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Badass Women's Hour, HR, or on Facebook, Badass Women's Hour, or using the hashtag B-A-W-H. So join in the conversation and tell us what you think. So first problem that's coming up today is what happens when we're not feeling confident? Yeah, so uh, I put a call out again to my uh, network for some questions. And someone that I know, they're in their 20s, actually, doing some phenomenal stuff. And they said to me, you know, I always try and stay really badass in whatever I'm doing, like keep my confident levels high. But she said, every now and again, when someone's criticizing something that I'm doing, normally a guy, she said, I just absolutely like shrink. It almost kind of like completely knocks me off my badass. And I feel like I have to like rebuild myself back up again. What can she do 
So joining us in the studio today, we also have journalist, broadcaster and sex educator Alex Fox. And Alex, what do you think? How do we build ourselves up when we get knocked down? Well, I hope that I'm a badass, but I can really sympathise with the person who's written in here because sometimes if I get criticism, my first instinct, because I'm very British, ironically for someone who talks about sex so openly, my first instinct is often just to make things comfortable and smooth them over and make them all right as fast as possible. And recently I've made a promise to myself that rather than just trying to make everything okay... I'll check with me first. Am I okay mm. with this? Um, another phrase that uh, a friend of mine is uh, works in, she does a lot of social work with young people, and she taught me to use the phrase, if someone criticises you or something says, someone says something to you that you find challenging, use the phrase, I hear you. Mm-hmm. It says, okay, I'm taking that on board, but it doesn't offer any judgment or reflection straight away. And it gives you time to catch your breath and for you to compose yourself and muster your badassery in order to give them a, a fuller response. Fabulous. Now, do you do that or do you just go straight back? Yeah, no, I, hear, I do exactly the same thing. So I, I hear what you're saying. I hear you. And it is, it's that moment to process and then do two things. Is this judgment, is this thing they're saying about them or is it really about me? So it's then checking my behaviour and then determining what I want to do. So um, this week, actually, really bizarrely, it's not that anyone criticised me. I have been sort of criticising myself. Did I do that well or did I not do that well? And it's checking in with that voice. And is that a real voice? Is it just you feeling it or is it me feeling a bit anxious? Um, and once you do that, it's it sort of dissipates, but it's it's understanding the the place of, of the criticism. Yeah, for me, I just had to reframe it. I I have a very thing where I don't, I don't like criticism. Uh, I don't take it on board very well or haven't in the past. And there were two dimensions. One, I had to reframe it. So now I take criticism on board really well and I almost want more of it because I've gone, actually, every time I get criticised, it makes me step my game up, makes what I do better. Mm-hmm. And by reframing that, it's made me hungry for criticism. So I completely shifted it. But also I had to do a bit of work on myself to go actually what is this what is this sort of inner when people would criticize me it'd have such a profound effect I had to go there's something here that needs looking at so I'd go and have some therapy to kind of explore that and that really helped too yeah I think that is that self-knowledge is so important so I actually don't have it as much with criticism but I really have it when I feel like out of control or Uh as though I'm not in control of all things around me and then I start being complete cow to people for no reason and it's all to do with me so spending that time getting to know yourself is one of the most important things I think you can do agreed Nat what was your problem for the week so we had uh, the badass principle which was a lot of fun and we do it every Wednesday and at the end of a session one of the girls came up to me and said "Um, I feel like I should relax more and I've been exploring doing yoga or meditation and I just can't do it and I said to her well maybe relaxing and being that still it's just not your thing be okay but I wanted to know what others thought because I could see her sort of looking at me thinking yeah but maybe I should just do the yoga because that's what other people say helps them relax so what would you guys do Emma what do you do it's that self-awareness isn't it I I really struggle I struggle with yoga I struggle with mindfulness because I have a very noisy mind but I know the things that relax me and the things that relax me are spending an hour on Pinterest are watching like really like banal TV shows like TOWIE or Made in Chelsea and they completely switch my brain off and relax yeah Yeah. mental chewing gum exactly that so I just take note of when I feel really relaxed what is the activity that I'm doing and I just do more of that 
Alex, does that stuff, though, that stuff which really kind of, that mental chewing gum which takes your mind off it, is that proper relaxation? Do we have to be relaxing in a certain way to be doing it right? Hmm. Uh, I think if, I think... I think relaxation is different for different people. Uh, for me, I actually find physical activity really relaxing. If I'm pent up, I find going for a run uh, and listening to terrifyingly bad 90s rock really helpful. Um, I also find just cranking up some good music and having a dance around my living room it re- is really helpful. I've recently started to use an alarm clock that wakes me up with uh, an energetic tune in the morning mm. and it changes my outlook on my ho- whole day. Just uh, coming to to the sound of something uh, rousing and hilarious rather than an aggravating alarm has really helped me. I did try and do yoga and I think it's really shoved in our faces as part of that wellness movement as the the cure-all, isn't it? And I, I did enjoy it on some levels, but I also actually found it quite upsetting because um, I've, I, I noticed that there were certain movements that I knew I could do when I was younger and more flexible. And my 34-year-old uh, stuck in front of a screen in uh, a little plastic chair self wasn't as bendy as I used to be and I actually found that quite upsetting <laughs> and my mind was crowded with thoughts of oh god I feel like I was born before the wheel and uh, and uh, oh I'm, I'm becoming decrepit and and I didn't find I, I found it useful physically but not mentally relaxing at all oh I love a bit of yoga I feel like we're being mean to yoga I love it everyone should do I, it I think I need to persevere with it so I become a little <laughs> bit more flexible yeah um, so our third problem for today is one that one of my friends is having because she is about to move in with her other half and um, they are debating whether or not they should have a joint bank account. And, Ooh. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, so should we have a, should you have just a joint bank account, which is all your money piling into the one place? Do you have separate bank accounts with a little middle one or do you just keep it totally separate and each pay half? And have and a half? runaway fund. Have a runaway fund, yes. Nat, what do you do? So I feel like this goes back to our conversation at the top of the show about divorce and and payments, (laughs) which I'm still like, my blood's still rolling around. Um, I'm I'm in the mind of you should always have your own money if you can. And, you know, we should recognise that that's not always possible for everyone. But have your own money, uh, have a joint account to pay the joint collective bills. Uh Uh-huh. But that aside, I... You never think anything's going to end. But if it does, I've had friends where everything has been so entwined with the person that they're with. You know, the house, the car. It has been beyond emotionally painful. It, it's a whole new level of pain. It, disentangling all of all of that. So I'm like, have your own. Keep it separate. Put what you need to put together to build a life together. But yeah, it's keeping a bit. So for me, I think it's actually the ultimate symbol of trust. The ultimate symbol of trust to give somebody access in some way, shape or form to your money. Look at Emma's face. Emma's like, no way. Yeah, there's Mm -mm. trust and then there's like... You know what? I think most human beings are trusting and amazing, but when things change Mm -hmm. and in relationships they can, people just don't think logically or with caring because they're angry and they're upset and... If they've got complete access, I mean, I know people who've like cut off bank accounts and like, mm. I just think you have to have a plan B. Be in, all trusting, but have your plan B. In, the, in the heat of the moment, when someone's angry, they would do something that their rational mind would never allow them to do. Hence, yeah. 
closing bank accounts, cutting running off up credit from, card yeah, bills. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's dangerous. So, Alex, how do you have that conversation then with your other half where they're like, yeah, let's just have a joint bank account, let's throw it all in together, and you're nervous? How do you do it in a way that still says, I love and trust you, but also says, you don't get to know my PIN number? Unfortunately, I am only now financially getting back on my feet after um, entering into the fairly low-level risk contract of having a three-year lease with a partner on a shared one-bedroom flat. Unfortunately, things went whack whack oops within about three or four weeks of us moving into this place the entire home was in my name and I was legally liable for paying all of the bills uh, until the break clause in the contract which was two years so I, I spent a good 18 months carrying the financial burden of what was a really quite extortionate rent for one person on their own unexpectedly and um, it had the the kind of uh, the silver lining, if you will, of being incredibly motivational to my career because I had to pull my finger out and make a whole <laughs> lot more money than I was. But it was terrifying. Um, and we didn't even have a, a, a joint bank account. But just, just like I say, entering into that fairly low level shared ownership thing with, with a man and then it going wrong has, uh, has made me... Uh, a little, I'm probably going to have to take very deep breaths before I do something like that again. So I feel like I'm all on my own here as the only one who has trust and faith. I would let, I would want to be in the point where I can let somebody into my bank account, but maybe not yet. Let me take charge of your runaway fund. Yeah, okay, um, so you can have the <laughs> runaway fund. So that's our badass balls up for the week. Um, but if you have a question, you are desperate for our advice and help on. I mean, sometimes we get it right, sometimes we don't. But you can but ask. <laughs> Do make sure you find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Badass Women's Hour HR on Facebook at Badass Women's Hour or just follow the hashtag B-A-W-H. I want to say a big thank you to our guest this week, journalist, broadcaster and sex educator Alex Fox. Alex, are you doing a TED Talk? Is that I am. I'm doing a TEDx. I'm putting the sex ed in TEDx. Uh, it's at Hackney Empire on the 25th of February and my talk will, about, will be about um, praising deeply unsexy sex. So if you want to find out what that's all about, come and wrap your ears around my speeches. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us and for all your wisdom, now that we finally know what the tubes are called. Wisdom and jizdom. <laughs> Please never bring that into the studio. No do. <laughs> so we will be back after this break when we will be looking at a, ba- a backdated badass, a woman from history that you absolutely have to know more about. And this week's backdated badass is a woman who revolutionised Um, sign language and access for disabled people so we really want to talk more about her join us then across the uk online and on dab (laughs) badass women's hour with harriet mincer natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass. I'm Harriet Minter here on Talk Radio with Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And for our final section of the show, we are going to be talking about a backdated badass, a woman from history that you absolutely have to know about. And this week's was my pick, and she is somebody that I vaguely remembered learning about in primary school, but I couldn't really remember much about her, and that is Helen Keller. Ladies, did you both have the Helen Keller lesson at school, Emma? Never. I'd, well, I mean, I probably was like 
distracted and <laughs> flirting with boys, but I definitely don't remember this story because it's pretty incredible. Yeah, Nat, did you hear about her? Again, I have a vague memory, but it's just not someone that stands out in the front of my mind. So this is what I had. I had this really vague memory, and I, <laughs> my vague memory, I was like, I'm pretty certain that she's deaf and blind, and there was something to do with writing on hands, but that is it. And then we did some research, and it turns out that her story is actually just completely badass, and she's amazing. So a little overview. Um, she was born in the 1800s, late 1800s, and um, she was a bit of a prodigy. So she was speaking at six months. She was walking at a year. Um, and she was part of this lovely family. They're very close. But when she was um, just a few years old, she was actually stricken by an illness that left her blind and deaf. So having been this kind of child prodigy who had achieved so much more, suddenly she couldn't see and she couldn't hear. And so she had no form of communication. And what the, her family found was that this kind of understandably led to huge tantrums. They didn't know how to talk to her or communicate with her. She was constantly frustrated because she couldn't express what she wanted to say. And everyone around them was telling them that they should probably put her into some sort of institution, that they should basically just slightly wash their hands of her. Um, and instead, her family just tried everything they absolutely tried everything they sent her to a blind school they um called up alexander bell the guy who invented the phone um who was working with deaf children at the time and got him in to try and help her and eventually they found a woman called anne sullivan who came in and started communicating with helen by writing letters on her hand so she would literally spell out the words of each thing so she gave her a doll and she spelt out doll um and she totally embraced this form of communication and she basically created a new form of sign language and she did it so well that she ended up going and um, studying getting degrees and becoming a campaigner and activist for blind people around the world and I just think that overcoming that level of adversity is completely badass I love her Definitely, I agree. One of the things that I read about her and it reminded me about all of the different forms of communication is that she she mastered uh, touch lip reading, which I, and I don't know if you've ever mm. seen anyone do it, uh, but it's a, a very intimate form of, of communicating. Um, Braille, obviously speech, typing and finger spelling. And my two godsons were around the house at the weekend. And when they were growing up, their mum used to speak to them through sign. So they they still, and they still do it at, at moments, they'll be speaking to each other. And I think there's something really beautiful about bringing the words that you use to life and she is obviously the core and, and one of the pioneers of this that's a beautiful way of looking at it now yeah. i love that bringing words to life and um, what did you what have you now learned about her that you didn't know before? yeah because that's what i'm really enjoying about these backdated badasses for me it's going okay what are the lessons that we can learn and i think the thing that uh i found fascinating is everyone was kind of telling her parents oh well she's probably just a write-off it just goes to show you how incredible human beings are how incredible how incredible we are at just adapting to life mm. and she's won all these awards it definitely made me go okay emma pull your finger out <laughs> this girl <laughs> is deaf and blind and she achieved all these things like we literally have no excuse and the final thing that I really love about her is it's not like she did this in in her youth and she kind of, you know, then lived a fairly normal life after that. She lived a totally extraordinary life for her entire life. So at 75, she went on a 40,000 mile, five month trek across Asia. 
mean, I mean you've de- you've lo- you've got two of your senses have gone, and you do a big adventure like that. That's I I can't even comprehend. It's that. so badass. It means learning never stops. Mm. And I can imagine she was someone that was feisty. So if you weren't getting her message, she would find a way for you to understand what it was that she was trying to say. Oh, I love that, which is how we should all be every day. And so we are going to leave you this week with our thought for the week, our badass principle, something for you to live the next seven days by. Um, So Nat, what is it this week? The badass principle for the week is embrace mess. And we came up with this together uh, having brunch after talking about our busy weeks and trying to feel and be perfect. And we got to a place where we were like, actually embrace the mess the mess is what helps you figure out the next step and trying to put everything into a neat little box doesn't always work i agree and i really i really love and connect with this because i think i spent a lot of my like late teens and early 20s thinking there were certain things i couldn't do so i couldn't be angry that wasn't a very nice thing to be and it wasn't very important emotion or I couldn't just tell people what I really felt of them, or I couldn't actually admit I was having a really bad day and I just needed to have that bad day and wallow in it for a bit. And actually, I love the idea that if we could just say to everyone, just be how you are right now in all its glorious, messy wholeness, Mm. actually, you're going to be much, much happier. Yeah. Emma, do you agree? Totally. Like the other week when I had my meltdown, I knew that the only way through is just to embrace the fact that I was feeling sad, to totally wallow in that, but not for too long, but like just allow myself to get that emotion out, to do all those things that, you know, just wallow in it. And then I came out of it and I just embraced it. I didn't beat myself up about it. I didn't feel guilty about it. I was just like, okay, I feel like this. I'm just going to go with it. And so on this point, I would like to shameless plug, if you would like to understand how to embrace mess, come and join me at the Badass Principal classes. They take place every Wednesday at the W and all of the information is on Facebook and Twitter if you just search the Badass Principal. And they are really fabulous, I think, because they do two things, which is one, you get to be a bit physically messy, yes, like throw it all out there and a bit of exercise, and then also have a moment of kind of bringing it down mm. and finding a bit of mental calmness and clarity. We ran through St. James's Park this week and it was the most beautiful, peaceful thing, apart from me shouting behind the girls, come on, run through your barriers. <laughs> it was absolutely beautiful. Okay, well, I mean, I just said go to it and now I'm like, hmm, maybe not. It's a different interpretation of beauty over there. So if you want to be shouted at, uh, no, but I think it's really true. There's something about just getting a bit messy, whether that is in St. James's Park or in the comfort of your own home. Um, And if you are finding that this week or you just want some advice or wisdom or there's just something you really need us to know, so long as it's nice, people, keep it nice. Do find us on social media. So you can find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour. That's Badass Women's Hour HR on Instagram at the same or on Facebook, Badass Women's Hour. Um, or follow along on our hashtag BAWH. Or you can tweet any of us personally. You can find me at Harriet Minter, Nat. At Nat D. Campbell. And Emma. At Emma Sexton. So please keep the conversation going and tell us what you think. And we will be back next week with another Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. (laughs) Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.